0: Check. They're already a check for order. And
1: power is to go. 50,000 watts. Oh that's down It's Locked on W-B-Z. Oh, do so you read me. Affirmative, I read you. What are you talking about? This conversation can serve purpose. You're Jay talking. we're live midnight to five. Sicker, fatter, poorer. The urgent threat of hormone-disrupting chemicals in our health, to our health and future, and what we can do about it. Leonardo Trasande is with us, and... It, stuff in the book scares me i'm a little nervous having read this book sir how bad is it
0: well thanks for having me the great news here is there are a lot of safe and simple steps that we can all take to limit our exposure to the chemicals of concern but there's real cause for concern and real need for action
1: so it's a pretty straightforward uh, path i will take with you just identify the problem where the problem comes from, what it does to you, and how we can mitigate it. And there are categories like BPA and pesticides, and et cetera. So I guess I'll start by asking for an overview of the types of chemicals that are really most concerning and where we come in contact with them.
0: Well, let's start with some basic names and and ideas. Hormones are are molecules that we use to signal basic bodily functions, and endocrine disruptors are chemicals that scramble that signaling and thereby contribute to disease. We know of over a 1,000 chemicals that are hormone disruptors, but the evidence is strongest for four categories of chemicals. These are the flame retardants used in furniture, carpeting, and electronics. These are pesticides that are used in agriculture. Uh, There are also bisphenols that are used in aluminum can linings and thermal paper receipts. And then there are the phthalates that are used in cosmetics, lotions, and even certain food packaging.
1: Where do we come in contact with the flame retardants? How do we get them into our body? How do we ingest them? It's not just skin contact, right?
0: Uh, it's contact through dust uh, that eventually gets into our mouths through hand-to-mouth contact. We also inhale it. Um, there's some history here. In, back in the 70s, when uh, everyone was concerned about tobacco use and fires in homes, um, there was a California law put into place that required flame retardants be put into all sorts of, of upholstery uh, to meet a flammability standard even though it ended up not really saving any lives and actually was found to be chemically very similar to thyroid hormone, which is critical for brain development. I had that drilled into me as a pediatrician from day one of my residency. And the reality is that uh, when you mess with thyroid hormone in pregnancy, uh, the baby doesn't produce thyroid hormone until the second trimester of pregnancy, and the consequences for later brain development can either be permanent and lifelong.
1: So most of these problems that we're dealing with, um, is it maybe it harms us if we are exposed over a long period of time, or is it it's definitely going to harm us and it's a lot more acute and it'll happen more quickly than you think?
0: We used to think that these were once-off effects that occur at very high levels of exposure. Um, the first recognition of an endocrine disruptor is a medication that used to be given to pregnant women called diethylstilbestrol. was given to pregnant women starting in the 1950s to prolong pregnancy and reduce symptoms. Unfortunately, at, at, the, at the Mass General Hospital, uh, an astute doctor found a cluster of, of cancers among young girls that were ultimately tied to the chemical. Unfortunately, we got rid of that. But now we realize that there are a broader suite of chemicals that can are, we use in our daily lives in a host of materials. And we especially know now that low levels of exposure are particularly important. And in particular, it's not just the dose that makes the poison anymore, it's the timing of exposure. Um, Prenatal exposure is known to be particularly harmful, but we know of other windows of development um, that are crucially important, ranging from adults who are trying to have uh, a baby to adults who aren't trying to conceive. with consequences ranging from sex hormone effects, like with consequences including libido, um, even certain cancers that result uh, from these conditions. Now, I just wanna be clear, I'm not drawing the entire line around a host of chronic diseases, saying the entirety is due to these chemicals, but what little we know suggests substantial contribution and ultimately large costs to society.
1: Just for a moment, let's get totally geeky. And can you give me the physiology, the science, the chemi- the chemistry of how these chemicals disrupt the hormones function and how the disruption of the hormone function
0: hurts us? So, so let's take uh, an example where the science has really accelerated, and that is chemicals that are linked to obesity or so-called obesogens. The uh, textbook example now is a chemical that's been in the news a lot, bisphenol A or BPA. It's used, it used to be used in baby bottles and sippy cups. The FDA banned that about a decade ago, but it's still used in aluminum can linings and thermal paper receipts. That uh, shiny material you see on those thermal paper receipts that replace the old school print receipts is uh, bisphenols that essentially are used to line that material. Now, BPA makes fat cells bigger disrupts the function of a protein that protects the heart called adiponectin and here's a small point of trivia you can geek out about bpa was considered as a synthetic estrogen for pregnant women when they were designing diethylstilbestrol or des so we talk now about des sons and daughters and grandchildren the des story but this very well could have been the bpa story and the reason why synthetic estrogens are important for obesity is that estrogens can have sex-specific effects on the way our body mass is shaped, ultimately leading to shifts uh, from muscle over to fat.
1: I eat a lot of sardines. They come in cans, and it's kind of. Does that mean I can't eat them anymore? Because do the sardine cans have this substance that you speak of?
0: Canned foods have this substance because bisphenols in general are used to prevent corrosion. Um, and there were good intentions back in the day where we needed to preserve foods and still to this day for things like disasters or long-term storage in places where you, need, you don't have refrigeration or other um, opportunities to preserve the materials. It makes sense. Um, But we know that reducing your canned food consumption is the most straightforward way to reduce your exposure to this synthetic estrogen. The good news is even for sardines, you're even starting to see glass and other replacement options emerge. I know it's shocking to think about it that way, but um, it's really an issue. And that speaks to the broader message here that consumers can drive the change that manufacturers uh, will then provide.
1: So if I'm eating sardines, chances are they are aligned with this s- stuff.
0: That's right. Unfortunately, even if they're BPA-free, the reality now is we have 40 new bisphenols on the market that are substituting in for BPA. This is chemical whack-a-mole in action. And what little we know about one replacement about BPA called BPS is it's as estrogenic as BPA. It's as toxic to embryos, and it may even be more persistent in the environment.
1: Wow. Well, all right. this Maybe this is a book you ought to get, folks, Sick or Fat or Poor, The Urgent Threat of Hormone-Disrupting Chemicals. If, if we hadn't had this conversation about this book, I'd, I'd go on eating canned foods forever, and I'd probably be in trouble for it. Somehow I have to find fish that's not large fish because large fish, I'm guessing— Tends to retain more mercury. That was that was my big secret. I was eating sardines. I was, thought I was getting over on beating the system, but no. This looks like the system beat me. Where we, I got to figure out how to get small fish that are less likely to have a lot of mercury and uh, not in a can. You say I, alternative containers, glass. What else are they using
0: besides glass? You're seeing these tetra packs emerge now. I'm not saying. Um, but they're perfect, but they, because they're made of plastic material after all and paper. But, uh, what little we know suggests that they are better because they don't have the same, uh, chemical contaminant concerns.
1: So and, that's like those little yeah. bags that tuna comes in.
0: There are these paper boxes that, uh, they look like paper, but they're lined on the inside with plastic to provide that same, uh, preservative effect. You see a lot of soups these days. Okay. Um, in them among other things
1: what was the official name of of the packaging the paper packaging you had a...
0: pack is the brand name
1: okay next you um focus you have focused a lot on identifying the role of environmental exposures in childhood obesity and, and cardiovascular risks have you addressed all of those yet or are there others that you would be good to bring up here
0: um Here's another example which probably doesn't even get enough mention in the book um, though it does get a bit is that there are chemicals that can literally undermine the effort to lose weight so nothing in this book is telling you that diet and physical activity are uh, somehow no longer the most important drivers of okay. obesity and diabetes Far from it they are still a bigish a big issue I, I for example, ran this evening before getting on the show with you. I maintain a healthy diet. And at the same time, there was a study uh, done up in Boston, by the way, where um, they followed populations of women uh, who had worked really hard to lose weight and successfully done it. And they had measured in the blood sample levels of of a group of chemicals called perfluoralkyl chemicals or PFOA. They've gotten a lot of attention in the news because of contamination events in West Virginia, North Carolina, even in Flint, Michigan, with water. And what they found is that the higher the levels of these, specifically one called PFOA, the more the women gained back the weight. And ultimately, when they looked at the resting metabolic rates of the women who, who regained the weight, they found that PFOA levels might actually be slowing down their metabolism fundamentally. And that's what these chemicals do. They almost mess with the thermostat, if you will, our burn rate, and ultimately also shift how calories are then processed when they come in, as opposed to muscle going to sugar or fat.
1: We have Phil in Burlington who's joined us probably with a question. Phil, hello.
0: Hi, Bradley. How are you? I I love the show. Thanks. Say hello hello to Leonardo. Leonardo. (laughs) Hi, Leonardo. Hi there. I would think. I mean, I was this listening. Bradley's question was really the one I was thinking of too. Was like, what's your daily diet look like? You know, from from morning from sun up to sundown, it would really help me. Yeah, we'll just all do that. <laughs> so here's the great news: there are a lot of safe and simple steps that folks can take right now to reduce their exposure. And and here's the other trick: you don't need a PhD in chemistry to figure it out. Okay. Um, <laughs> So avoiding canned food is a great way to reduce your bisphenol A exposure, and among other bisphenols, that may be problems as well. Simply saying no to that thermal paper receipt when you're going to a coffee shop or some other place is a great way just to avoid contact with these chem- with this category of chemicals as well.
1: The thermal paper receipt? that Yes. That receipt, it's got chemicals on it?
0: Yes. Okay. It, and there's a great video you can check out at, bpa-free.me that uh, is going viral these days. It's a a really fun uh, video that a bunch of millennials put together that I find really uh, useful and helpful uh, for thinking about this. So no
1: no canned Uh, foods, no we don't need that receipt. What else?
0: Eating organic. Now, I get it. The price difference is a concern, but you don't have to eat organic for Everything. There are a so-called dirty dozen uh, that environmental working group put together and puts together every year. They look at the pesticide levels that are highest in fruits and vegetables, and what they look found mostly is that the leafy greens and vegetables, the things that you eat the outer layer of, are the ones where the pesticide residues most likely to get on. It's a bit of common sense. So, your avocado might not have to be organic, but if you're looking at spinach and lettuce. That's where it's a higher priority. I eat, I eat a
1: lot. Of, I eat a lot of spinach and lettuce. Does it does it rinse off with just water? Because it doesn't feel like it. It
0: you have to use uh, some sort of unfortunately. yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't work. What do you and, do? Um, there's. Um, you I want like organic. a salad spinner. Is a salad spinner smart? Uh, There are a lot of organic salads these days, Um, and here's the other thing just for a moment. The big box companies, they're really taking this on such that um, you can get these at at smaller and smaller margins over the conventional brand, such that it's not even as expensive as it used to be a few years ago. We're seeing double-digit growth in the organic market, whereas we're seeing 1% growth in conventional produce. And that speaks to the consumer enthusiasm that is going to drive margin down and market share up. Anything else, Phil? I would just, it would be interesting to understand what you know, your diet's like from breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. And kind of, can I give us some specificity around what you're actually eating? It would, be, it would be interesting.
1: What do you eat, Leonardo? We kind of want to know.
0: There you go. Well, one big thing I don't do is microwave my plastic uh, at home. In fact, we have a lot of glass in our house, uh, in particular. Um, But microwave safe is a misleading term because, well, at a large scale level, with your naked eyes, you don't see the warping. But at a subtle microscopic level, you're seeing the plastic ultimately leach into food, and then ultimately cause difficulty. The other thing is if you have to drink from a plastic water bottle, look at the recycling number. The numbers three, six, and seven are the chemicals of greatest concern. Three are for phthalates, which uh, mess in particular with the male sex hormone, testosterone. They also mess with metabolism in the body as well, contributing to obesity and diabetes that way. Um, Number six is styrene, a known carcinogen. And seven are those bisphenols I talked about. Now, there's some plant-based the derivatives that are being developed under the seven label but it's hard to know which ones are plant-based and which ones are not and that's why unfortunately i suggest avoiding the sevens all across the board and again even if they're bpa-free plastics that doesn't reassure you fully you've got to look at that number
1: all right phil i guess guess that's all we're going to get
0: he's not going to tell us (laughs) what he's eating okay thank you
1: all right Phil wanted to know what your diet is, but it sounds like you don't would rather not share that, and that's all right if that's true.
0: Um, I'm not saying, I, I, but I think it's important to emphasize that what we're talking about in the book here is less about the particular diet. That's a whole separate concern, and there are a bunch of people who have written so much about the book, mm-hmm. about this issue in other books, that I don't want to stomp on their turf by talking about it. Um, I tend to eat more and more of a plant-based diet myself these days. You've probably seen in the news some of the studies identifying the associations of meat-based diets with increases in even mortality. Um, And so – and by the way, some of that is probably driven by the chemical contamination and the differences – on a plant-based diet versus a meat-based diet. So that gives you a little bit of a hint, but more from the perspective that, I'm, that I've wrote, written in this book, which is about the chemical contamination. But independent of that, we are talking about chemicals that get into foods, whether they're plants, whether they're healthy food, unhealthy food. We're talking lains- bisphenols. We're talking about vegetables in these aluminum cans as much as beer, soda, whatever beer so it really doesn't discriminate by um yes i i hit the third rail by bringing up beer so Uh, but
1: we should drink beer out of glass bottles
0: that would be my suggestion if you're going to pick that
1: Hmm. okay now you mentioned styrene by styrene do you mean styrofoam cups
0: Well, the styrofoam cups are a whole different issue. Okay. Uh, most of the effects there are really on the broader environment. And i um, proud to say here in New York City, where I live, that uh, finally went by the wayside once and for all. Um, that was a, a big thing in the takeout places until recently. Um, the styrene we're talking about is in the recycling number six. It's a particular type of plastic. Um, that's used, um, and it's a, that chemical is a known carcinogen. Do
1: the companies that put this stuff out know how dangerous the chemicals they use are, and they just have no soul?
0: Well, there's um, two sides to the story. Um, one is that the chemical manufacturers may not know what they're dealing with because the science has really rapidly evolved suggesting the effects. Uh, At the same time, time and again, we're seeing um, recognition, uh, just like we saw with lead and tobacco, that as much as companies deny the effects of these chemicals and even manufacture doubt, about health concerns, once that they're once they're raised, that we see the science uh, bearing out and documenting the truth um, and the benefits uh, to the public of of that kind of proactive prevention.
1: Okay, I'm looking at the book now, sicker, fatter, poorer, and there's a heading that says, "ECDS ED and your prostate." What do we need to know about that?
0: Well, there's. A, A bit of scary evidence for guys out there, even if they're not having a family, and that's that some of the chemicals we're talking about here, especially the phthalates, but not to mention other chemicals, uh, can mess with uh, the male sex hormone, testosterone. Um, And that's important for libido. In some studies, mostly workers who found exposure to bisphenols as well as metals, Um, can uh, produce effects including impotence. And there's this notion of low T, uh, which has gotten a lot of attention in the news because um, uh, that can literally be a life or death issue. Low T is either a marker of or a predictor of later cardiovascular mortality in men. So it's not just... um, an issue uh, for lifestyle, it can literally be uh, a life and death issue when we're talking about effects on the male sex hormone.
1: So this uh, is the stuff in the plastic water bottles, etc. right?
0: These are the chemicals that make plastic softer. Softer, okay. Okay. Uh, In general, they're in the recycling number three that I talked about. It's,
1: it's, it's just awful complicated to, to be healthy. It's almost like you need to take a class in it. Why, why can't it be simpler?
0: Well, the book outlines a number of safe and simple steps and low-hanging fruit. Just to talk a little bit more about those phthalates, um, they're also in cosmetics and personal care products. And, um, again, you don't need a Ph.D. in chemistry to read the label. There are two categories of chemicals to watch out for in that regard. One are the phthalates. You literally see PHTH and you get a, a hint of the of the chemical structure that's in the word. Um, and I know the spelling is a little weird, so it's hard to remember that sometimes, but just looking for the word fragrance. Fragrance is a catch-all term um, that's typically used to hide a trade secret, and um, there may be chemicals in there that are perfectly fine, but what we know is that some of the chemicals in those fragrances can disrupt hormones, um, even if we don't know which one is used in which particular products. And the broader movement that we're talking about here is a movement towards getting better transparency, too. Um, This isn't going to be something that the public is going to be able to suss out for every specific exposure and every specific product. But if we get the transparency done, that lets the scientists and other experts get into the mix and help guide us with regard to what to watch out for and what not to worry about.
1: Okay, here's what we've gleaned so far. Stay away from canned food. Stay, might as well just stay away from bottled water and, and that kind of plastic. And stay away from fr- things with fragrance.
0: Any other low-hanging fruit? We've talked a bit already about uh, eating organic.
1: Yes. Um, which is That's important,
0: right. too. And um, here's something about the flame retardants. Here are a couple of, of key pieces of advice in that regard. Recirculating the air, um, especially on a day like tonight uh, in the area where it's not so cold as it was a few days back, um, it's a good day to recirculate the chemical dust that accumulate out uh, into the open air that doesn't have as much of these chemicals to begin with. Um, flame retardants uh, are a group in the group called persistent organic pollutants and there are a host of chemicals used in electronics, uh, furniture, carpeting that can accumulate. And um, one of the best ways to get rid of that is just simply recirculating the air. Now um, we talked about that California law that required sleep retardants to be put in furniture starting back in the seventies that changed back in 2013, fortunately. And now Uh, manufacturers are required to put on the label whether a piece of furniture has flame retardant added to it. And that really provides clear guidance when you're buying a pieces of furniture. Now, I'm not suggesting everybody throw out their furniture here. Um, Yes, there are flame retardants in some of the old furniture that people have in their homes, but fortunately, most of it is embedded in the upholstery and doesn't leach out as rapidly but that said if there are tears or rips in the the covering it's important to either cover it up with um, wool or or some other material to seal it off or it might be time to throw it away quite frankly and here's the other message it's important to think about natural fabrics like wool as a substitute uh, for some of the synthetic fibers that typically we default uh, to buying.
1: How about dry cleaning? I, we used to hear horror stories about the chemicals used in dry cleaning, uh, and I, I'm guessing they were true. And we hear about organic dry cleaning. Is, uh, this is I haven't seen you address this, but I bet you know the answer to that.
0: I'm not a fan of the use of organic dry cleaning for this reason, because it's really taking one label used for food and pesticides and applying it in the wrong way. Now, I understand the idea is that um, for a long time, there were these chemicals called perchloroethylene that are carcinogens used in these um, cleaning materials to dry clean. Um, and the intention is to is to document that they're avoiding using these chemicals in the first place. Um, but simply asking how they do their dry cleaning is good enough for figuring this out. And organic doesn't really do justice to um, the issue at all. Organic, uh, wearing my old chemistry hat, um, my undergraduate degree, organic just refers to carbon-based. So it's really not clear what that means in the first place.
1: And we have Lisa in Waltham who'd like to join in. Hello, Lisa. Thanks for taking my call. I have a question for uh, um, the guest. I'm a chemist, so um, I was enjoying all this very much. Um, recently, I saw in the news and also read uh, about the um, fluorinated material they put on the um, dental floss, and that can cause all right. kinds of problems. So what's your opinion about
0: that? So um, it's true that these um, uh, Teflon-like chemicals are used in a host of materials ranging from nonstick cooking uh, surfaces to uh, dental floss. Um, They also contaminate the water supply. Um, The study you're talking about, which I believe uh, had substantial participation from the Silent Spring Institute in Newton, identified factors that were contributing to levels of these perfluoroalkyl compounds in people, and they found dental floss as uh, a significant contributor. Now, um, in the broader scheme of things, when you take out all the components and look at what contributes to um, perfluoroalkyl compound levels in the human body, The biggest contributors are still the food you eat and the water you drink as drivers of that. Um, And so uh, I'm not certainly suggesting um, uh, I I get the dentist angry and have a big debate about dental flossing or not flossing, Um, And um, I'm still a believer that getting fluoride onto teeth is important for growth for other reasons. Now, we're talking about a different fluoride when we're talking about the fluorine atoms that are used to make teeth stronger as opposed to these complicated carbon fluorine compounds, the perfluoroalkyl compounds, just to be clear. So the reality here is that these chemicals mess with thyroid hormone and also uh, disrupt the basic metabolism. We already talked about a study uh, that identified uh, regain of weight loss um, simply in relationship to the levels of these perfluoralkyl compounds in the human body.
1: So we should just use uh, unwaxed, untreated dental floss?
0: That would be ideal. It's not what I would suggest as a first priority. I would suggest as a more important priority, avoiding um, nonstick cooking um, uses, uh, which may involve a little extra work um, using oil rather than uh, nonstick surfaces um, to cook your food. Yep. Um, but many of these um, Non-stick surfaces have the pro compounds that we're talking about, and especially with heat and with time, those wear down, enhancing the absorption into the food supply.
1: Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Okay. And while I'm thinking of it, used to hear rumors about aluminum cookware being bad and maybe contributing to Alzheimer's. Is that a myth?
0: That's less of a concern to me right now. Um, I'm not disagreeing that aluminum may be an emerging concern uh, for Alzheimer's, but in the scheme of things and given what we know, um, my priority is on these other uh, chemicals of concern where the evidence is much stronger.
1: Okay, and I have two quick questions, and then we have two callers, and that should take care of it. My next question is, I have heard that fish... Most fish now that you get out of the ocean have little bits of plastic in them, and that when you eat the fish, you're eating the plastic. Is that How much of a concern is that?
0: Well, it depends on how you're eating the fish, first of all. Um, the bigger concern is really um, more ecological about these microplastics. I mean, these microplastics are literally drowning and killing fish in the supply and having other... Um, Hazardous consequences uh, in the food chain. Um, in general, you're not eating the parts of the fish that ultimately um, are taking on these microplastics. Um, and it fortunately, does appear even if you are that you're not getting. Uh, additional chemical contamination from the lining of these plastics that come in contact with a host of things in, in the water supply. Okay. Uh, but, for me, but for me, microplastics are a big environmental issue. Uh, they're just not as directly tied to human health based on what we know right now.
1: Next is tofu. Tofu and estrogen, I, I hear conflicting reports on whether or not you should eat, a man particularly should eat tofu because it has testosterone killing estrogen then i read another article it said well it's a different kind of estrogen that does not kill testosterone testosterone or t what is your take on that
0: so i make the distinction here between natural Uh, estrogens and testosterone that are in food. That's a reality. We are part of the food chain after all at some level. And it's not surprising that if you eat other things in the food supply, there are hormones in the food supply. Um, But the bigger concern here is about the vast acceleration of the use of 80,000 chemicals or more in our environment with 1 to 3,000 new chemicals being introduced each year. And these are synthetic chemicals that are not tested for their effects on the human body, the way they're tested for their ability to work well in products. Um, And the reality is we're barely catching up with our ability to understand which of these chemicals are messing with hormones and contributing to disease. I mentioned we know about a thousand, but we haven't even studied half or even less of these chemicals in the first place for their effects on hormones in our body. So there's what we know. And that um, represents, unfortunately, a bit of a tip of the proverbial iceberg. What I can tell you, based on the few chemicals we study, is that the disease costs due to endocrine disrupting chemicals cost the U.S. $340 billion. That's billion with a B each year. That's 2.3% of our gross domestic product. We get taxed as a result of failing to proactively address these chemical exposures as an issue. And what little we know about preventing these exposures suggests the benefits to society and our economy may actually be equal, if not greater, than the costs of the safer alternatives. Usually you hear the chemical industry say, well, the costs of these substitutes are way too high. But the reality is that doesn't account also for the innovation and the forces that drive those costs of the safer alternatives down in the end.
1: Okay, it's Ann in Milton. Hello, Ann. Hi. Um, I just have a question. Um, what, what is your opinion, Leo? And, uh, hi, Jay. Um, I mean, Bradley, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, for a go bag, if you can't take canned goods, like an emergency bag to have ready in case of an emergency, if you can't have canned goods and nothing in plastic, what would you suggest to take? Oh, okay.
0: Well, emergencies, I think, are an interesting situation. And, and there may be situations where you need in that go back those kinds of materials. But what more generally we're talking about is the regular day and day use of convenience okay. of these materials. And that's the issue where we're not really mindful of the health consequences of using these uh, just for convenience.
1: Thanks, and Another okay. time, call me up and tell me what you need your go bag for, like what you're expecting. Don't tell me now because I have to talk to Steve. Okay, <laughs> I'd be I'd be curious about that. Is it like I want to know if it's like a survivalist go bag or a nuclear war go bag? Okay, and anything to uh, make us feel a little better as you
0: leave, Leonardo? Well,
1: yeah. Give, so give us some hope.
0: Here's the, yeah, here's the great news. We've seen so many proactive. Benefits of consumer movement. It's surprising how much power we have with our wallets and our pocketbooks. And this isn't just something that affects us in our homes. There are our schools, there are workplaces, there are school, there are subways, our buses. And these are environments where we have more power than we think to be the change that we ultimately seek. We've seen school systems ask. And insist on manufacturers to change their cleaning products. We've seen recently in the news two major supermarket chains, simply based on a study of five samples, literally swap out their entire buffet food uh, packaging material with PFAS-free material, these Teflon-like chemicals. And that was based on a really small study, and the consumer outcry instantaneously Uh, changed how these supermarket chains uh, uh, literally supplied their stores, and that can move the needle substantially. If a big corporation insists on their upstream supplier to change their ways, that really has a big effect on our market share, and it magnifies the effect that we have with our pocketbooks and wallets.
1: There are a lot of very specific things in Leonardo's book, Sticker, Fatter, Poorer, that we didn't have time to get to, and and would have been difficult to discuss on the radio anyway probably lots in here we didn't cover and i'm going to actually take this home and probably use it as a reference and look at it again thank you so much i appreciate you being with us leonardo
0: it was a pleasure thank you
1: beautiful that was another jay talking podcast if you loved what you heard like and review the show it helps others find us subscribe to the jay talking podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and never miss an episode. Follow me on Twitter for show updates, and as always, you can catch the show live every weeknight starting Sunday, midnight to five on WBZ, Boston's news radio.